1: This is Star Talk Sports Edition, and today we're going to talk about concussion. Yeah, we have to do it. Somebody's got to do it. We we're going there today. And of course, I've got Chuck Nice, one of my co-hosts. Chuck,
2: what's up, Neil?
1: All right, all right. Every time I hear, I, I have to list you as comedian and actor. And I haven't seen you act in anything. Just just between you and me. Well, I, I don't see, know what. That's the,
2: how great of an actor I am. <laughs> you just in. I don't even know it's you. You don't even know okay. it's me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're like, I thought that was Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> what? That was Chuck <laughs> oh, Nice. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Maybe that's it. And of course, Gary O'Reilly, Gary, former soccer pro hey, in man. the UK. Yeah. So Gary, you, you felt compelled. We could not keep doing Star Talk Sports Edition without hitting this topic. So why don't you give us the full intro that this needs and requires? So what's going on today?
0: Thank you. Um, right, CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, is a degenerative brain disease caused mainly by repeated traumas to the head. Now, concussions are the most dramatic of those, but it could be from years of heading a football. It could be from smaller contacts. It could be from contact sports like boxing or maybe American Oh, When
1: football. you said heading a football, you mean heading a soccer ball because this America yes. jack. Just our yeah. our footballs
2: aren't round. We don't have round footballs yes, here. <laughs> and if a ball if, if, I if a ball hits a
1: football player in the head, that's there's something wrong happened in that play. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so All right. If I say soccer I get pushed back. If I say football I get pushed back. No, that's true. That's so true. It's, it's, you know, it's a square ball. Look, the thing is CTE is not particularly well understood. And up until recently Diagnosis took place sadly through autopsy. Oh, oh. Imagine symptoms, right? Symptoms can appear years or even decades after the last head trauma occurred and can present, and this is spooky, really memory loss, severe headaches, erratic behavior, and tragically, suicidal tendencies. Mm. Now, Neil, this literally hits home for me. I had 14 years as a pro. I didn't just head a soccer ball; I practiced heading.
1: Oh, you did it even when you. Oh, oh, yes.
0: Because there's there's a technique. There's a way to do certain things in a certain way. So, this is interesting, deeply for me. Now, our clinical expertise will come from our good friend and neuroscientist, Dr. Heather Berlin, who will join us later (coughs) in the show. But let's meet somebody. Um, Nine years ago, this person was diagnosed with CTE. And I want us to listen to their story and hopefully walk away from this podcast having learned something and having become enlightened on a subject that is only in the last few years receiving the attention it deserves. So I would like to introduce our guest, Leonard Marshall. Now, if that name sounds familiar, this is a two-time Super Bowl champion. This is a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL defensive lineman of the year. That's not where it ends. He's also been a professor of sports management at Seton Hall Stillman School of Business. He's an advocate for athletes who are suffering from CTE. And he went toe to toe with the NFL to win a class action case to get money for other players who aren't as affluent, but are suffering all the same. He's also an entrepreneur. He's also a philanthropist as well as a CBD advocate. Neil. Oh please, my gosh! Don't have a chat with Leonard.
1: Leonard, welcome to Star Talk, dude.
3: Hey, uh, thank you very much for having me, Gary. What a great introduction, and uh, I sincerely appreciate that. And some of the touching points that you uh, that
0: you uh, eloquently talked about. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't say it. Nope, How's that? that's true. I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Shuck. Fair enough. laughs>
1: so, Leonard, you got here a, a book titled when the cheering stops. Yes. And oh my yeah. gosh, I mean, that's a, what a title of a book that is. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost as though whatever are my worst thoughts, that's what's going to be in that book. And so what, at what point were you motivated to say, more people have to know about what has happened to me?
3: 2007, 2009, Neil, I began having issues, I felt, with traumatic brain injury. I started receiving phone calls from friends of mine around the league, guys that I had played with and against. And uh, and several of those guys were, they were kind of stuck. They, they felt like they didn't have an outlet. They were having some real problems at home. They weren't able to articulate what was going on because they really didn't know what was going on. All they knew is, you know, when they played the game and they were concussed in the game, they were told just what every other tough guy is told, rub a little dirt on it, you know, rest a little bit and go on back in there and do what you do. Well, that just doesn't work well with 310, 20-pound linemen in the National Football League when men are playing for a It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. So I didn't find out until, I'm going to say, a cool 10, 12, 14 years after the game uh, was over for me. Uh, Because my career ended in 1996, and uh, I became a dad in 1995. The entire time that I'm going through this process, I'm 100% concerned about what's going to happen to my little girl if I'm unable to be her father. What is my wife going to do when she has to take care of not only my child, but me too? And then what is the league going to do to make sure that the quality of my life does not diminish because the one thing you don't get when you leave pro football is health Ah, insurance benefits. You get 18 months of COBRA, and if you don't go into private business or you're not smart enough to connect yourself with a company uh, to gainfully become employed, you will have the, the biggest problem in the world in trying to find an insurance carrier that will underwrite you after a career in the National Football League. Because you're bringing
2: back. Is it still that way? Is it? I mean, it's, it's still, still that way. That way. I, I remember some way, time man. ago during a um, player negotiation with the owners that that was on the table, some form of healthcare. So, and they they quashed it. Like the owners, they just quashed it right away. This is something that they really are adamantly against.
3: Yeah, you're not, you're not getting, Chuck, you're not getting that that, that 40 acres in the mule when you retire and you walk away. Mm-hmm. You just going to it's not going to mm-hmm. happen. Damn. You know, and, and I don't know why, I don't know why that the predecessors that continue to be involved in professional football, they haven't taken a stronger stance on that, especially for the guys that built the game, like myself, right. like the household names of guys that you knew and know right. of, you know. Uh, doing your genre of, of, of work and everything else, so it just it just doesn't make any sense. Well, by the way, you were a, Leonard, you, know, you, you know were you know a household that, name
2: in my house because you played for the Giants, and uh, I'm an Eagles fan, so we just hated I- you.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, and you know why? Because he, you know, he, he ate quarterbacks, you know what I mean? Leonard was like third That's time that, yeah. in, in the Giants history or something like that, a third of all yes, time. Sir. And uh, most of yes. those sacks were against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, <laughs> no. thanks a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the thing, the thing here, Neil, is what Leonard said reminds me of a wonderful phrase, and I can't remember who is the author of this. But standing on the shoulders of Giants.
1: Yeah, of course, that's Isaac and Newton. That's this, Isaac Newton this, said that. Right. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. There you
0: go. If, if I can see, for, I if I up, can see farther than
1: others, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants who have come before me. Right.
0: And giants like Leonard, and the, and he, he's respectful of those that came yes. before him. And it's a it's a it's a it's a heritage and a lineage that should be carried forward. Absolutely. And people need to learn to look backwards sometimes and not just. But, but
1: also, I just want to add. If if correct me if I'm wrong, Leonard. I, Sure. Football careers relative to tennis, soccer, baseball are notoriously short because you can't do that you know, at late into your life, as in 30s and early 40s, the way many baseball players do. So the many football players, again, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just my understanding, are not the the, the marquee players that make the zillion dollars that are household names. Most of them are, 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 are service players filling out the team. And so, and so they don't then have these huge financial reserves to then carry them out for the rest of their lives. Is that an accurate characterization?
3: Yeah, accurate characterization uh, when I played the game from 1983 to 96. Because keep in mind, I went through two strikes in the NFL. Um, I went to the wow. strike in '87. I went through the strike in '92, which granted us free agency. So, I'm one of the pillars of what you see now in terms of uh, in terms of uh, compensation. Players are being paid. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it like this: for the Giants to put my team on the field that won the Super Bowl in 1986, they would have to borrow money from the Jets today, mm. right? Because there's no way you're gonna have Two defensive players side by side, like Chuck talked about, Lawrence Taylor and Leonard right. Marshall, with over 200 quarterback sacks between them, and a middle linebacker in Harry Carson, who's also a Hall of Fame linebacker, on the same defense, along with George Martin and Carl Banks and Jim Burke. There's those seven guys—they will never be seven players on the field at the same time on a
0: team like that ever again. They just don't have the money to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't have the competition. Leonard, let me ask you a question. Oh. Because you had 714 tackles during your NFL career. Correct. Right? How many times did you get tackled? How many times did you get hit? And should that actually go down now as a stat that people recognize? Well, I could tell you this. If you want to talk about getting dinged in a
3: football game, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how many times I got dinged. Now, dinged to me is when you get hit or you have a head to head collision. And you yes. get up and you don't know where oh. you're at. Oh, I, I, I couldn't tell oh. you how many times that happened.
2: Okay. Oh,
1: wait, wait, wait. Leonard, Leonard, and you calling that just a ding? Yeah. There's got to be a worse word for that. Yes. Come on, Leonard. Come uh, on. It's
2: called it's knew, called life changing event in my you life.
3: They got banged upside the head. Gotta, Come on, Leonard. You got to remember. Give me a you, word you, for you, that. Yeah, these are proud, tough guys yeah. who yeah. were who playing a yeah. game for money.
2: And the, the thing is, if you show softness, right. Guys will come yeah. after you. They, oh. they, they say getting your bell rung. You got your bell get rung. Your bell rung. And I'm like, what is
0: it? The Liberty Bell? bell Cause God <laughs> Yes. See the thing the thing is, if if you show the weakness, not only are you lit up for your opponents, but your coach is looking and Absolutely. all the coaches Ooh, around him. Is man. Looking, and you don't get to play in the next My coach game for survival. I
3: had a nut job of a coach by the name of Lamar Leachman from Cartersville, Georgia. Let, let me tell you something. This guy, he, he looked like Herky Rock from Damn. the first. Up, up. He had a curly afro. He talked like he was black. He was he was a five foot eight, five foot nine white guy from Cartersville, Georgia. That that was, I, I it just looked like Herky Rock, man. He had these big little arms, little bitty legs. <laughs> they would it was knock knee, and uh, <laughs> it was the funniest. It was just the funniest. <laughs> I don't want to swear on it, but it was the funniest thing you had to see, man. And 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 he'd walk around and he'd tease guys. He'd go, "Oh, what happened to you there, pretty? You were too, you were too soft oh, on that Oh man, play. there pretty, it is. And, and knocked the living, I don't know what out. Of the there it is. Oh, you know, you had guys wow. like
1: that. So so let me, I can quantify this because I did a calculation. All right. So you so you were sick you you were six four. Um, and how far, how fast did you run a forty?
3: Four Damn,
1: Okay, and
3: and you came in at what? Me, me. I came in the NFL, I weighed 290 pounds. I slimmed down, I was, I was at 18% body fat. I went down to almost 9% wow. body fat, 282 pounds, and I could bench press 500 pounds and squat almost 800 Ooh, pounds. Okay. And I'm telling you, when, when my, my coach had a motto, when hit, the body will bend or break. His deal was he wanted to see if somebody could knock a player Hit a player so hard that he could knock him into the middle of the next. Next Tuesday. He-
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, so here's the thing. I did a calculation, all right? So there's the energy of a bullet fired from a rifle. So the AK-47, which is a high muzzle velocity rifle, we've all heard of it, used for most mm-hmm. of the rest of the world. And you can ask how much energy is in that bullet. And it turns out you running into a quarterback, okay, at 15 miles an hour, okay? Not even as fast as you can run, just as fast as might be common. And you hit a quarterback, it is the same amount of kinetic energy as a bullet fired from an AK-47 weapon. The difference is, of course, all the energy of the bullet is entering just a single hole that it puts in your body and it rips out your organs and and it it can kill you. Your energy is now spread. It's the same energy but it's spread over the entire body of the person. So just to think about this, that that energy would normally kill someone in one spot, but now it's spread over so the whole body is participating in absorbing the energy, and that can't be good. Is what I'm saying.
3: You just touched on the
0: reason why I could hate mail from San Francisco oh. today. <laughs> oh, because of Joe. Oh, See, Joe, Joe Montana. Montana. What Joe oh. should. Yeah, what it's, Joe should realize is it's a good thing that Leonard is as big as he is. <laughs> no, so when he when oh, he with little or he be dead, is what you're ah, yeah. Oh, I that's see what, what you did there. Ah, I, I, nice. I, nice there Nice go. go. Nice. I job. see what did you did. That's right? a good one,
2: Gary. That's a good one. I know. Don't
0: worry. I'll spin him.
2: <laughs> how, how do we get somebody very little to hit Tom Brady?
0: <laughs> I gotta take him. <laughs> my, my boy
1: hates Tom Brady. Oh. The, just because everybody's whipping the Phillies' ass all the time, I mean,
2: oh, not no, the well, Phillies. We, what do they beat, call? We beat, we beat the, we beat the, beat the, Eagles. the Eagles. He, well, okay, all I right. just will mm-hmm. never forgive him. He took our first Super Bowl from in my life. All right, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. That, okay. First took Bowl it from moment. you. It was took yours, it right? A, he Took from it from my you. life.
1: We got to take a break, Leonard. Uh, when we come back, more on this subject, and we're going to set up the whole uh, table so that when Heather comes in, uh, our neuroscientist. In the third segment, um, she'll put a bow on all of this. And I just want to tell everyone that Heather brought you to us. You already know Heather. And this is, this is just, just spend it like 30 seconds how, how you found her and how you know each other.
3: I got introduced to Heather by a, a, an organization called Caring Kind, which is in New York City, which I'm being honored for my work in ALS and traumatic brain injury. And um, a young lady by the name of Courtney Dawson thought it would be good for me to talk to Heather. Because of my life, the traumatic brain injury I'm dealing with, and the fact that CTE dominates my life now. And uh, I combat it and fight it with marijuana and uh, and CBD. And, um, you know,
2: that's... Okay. That's, that's uh, by the way, that's and the same a- reason I combat my problems. Well, that's yeah. what you're marijuana. Okay, and that's, <laughs> that's That's what I tell everybody. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm fighting, man. I'm fighting mm, problems. Fight. You got your own thing, and all, right. Right. And all right. I'm just trying to help Leonard Marshall out. <laughs> <laughs> I need
1: you. All right, Well, we come back, more with our Super Bowl NFL great uh, Leonard Marshall. We're talking about concussions on Star Talk Sports Edition.
2: Working moms have way too many to dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you.
1: We're back, Star Talk Sports Edition. We're talking about concussions. And in particular, concussions in the NFL. And we've got somebody who is an NFL great by any metric who had sustained and persistent dings, as he called them. This is a, a, a head hit in the NFL where you don't quite know where you are when you get up. Yeah. And, uh, and our man is here with us today. And it's Leonard Marshall, uh, again, uh, for a second segment here. Leonard, thanks for for, uh, giving us this piece of your life and telling us um, what happened to you and how and why.
2: And by the Uh, way, Leonard, just, um, just to let you know, the insurance companies actually used to allow you to determine how bad an accident was. They would say... Uh, Describe and anybody who caused the accident would be like, "Oh, it's a ding. It's just a ding, (laughs) right?" And the person who received the accident was like, "No, my car is totaled. My car is totaled." You know. And now they say, "Do the airbags deploy?" That's how they determine (laughs) it. Right
1: right. there, it is. There it is. Um, So, uh, Leonard, you finished your career at what year was that? Nineteen ninety-six.
3: Nineteen ninety-four was my ninety-four was my last active season. My child was born in 1995. and 96, I decided to hang it out. There
1: it is. And so it, uh, years later, five, six years later, you went to UCLA for a diagnosis of your condition that would normally be identified via autopsy. This is freaky. Yeah. That's a freaky fact. Yeah. What Was there some yes. new way to make the measurement or did you just sort of force, force it in on people and say, look, something's going on. Invent some new test, because otherwise, I don't want you to do this after I'm dead.
3: This is great how this happened. So, I got a phone call from my little brother, who happened to be teammates with Rodney Hampton and Otis Anderson, uh, and those two guys were, uh, were, were 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 like very close to me. Uh, one was with me in Super Bowl 80, uh, twenty-one and then and one was with me with Super Bowl twenty five, and then the other was just with me in Super Bowl twenty five. So, one I played two championships. One up play one championship? They told me about a program that was going on in an attorney out of Pittsburgh that I needed to speak to. My name is Jason Lukasevic from the law firm, Goldberg, Perskin, White. He said there's a program that's being implemented by Dr. Bennett Amalu. Dr. Amalu happened to be a, a, a neuropathologist from Allegheny County in Pennsylvania and working alongside of Jason Lukasevic's brother in that department, studying brains and autopsies of brains. Long story short, Jason said, hey, Leonard, ESPN is uh, partnering with Tarmark to do this brain scan at UCLA at the Nancy Regan Center. Are you interested? I said, well, who else was involved? He said, well, Joe DeLamalore, Hall of Famer, Mark Duper, potential Hall of Famer, and uh, and Tony Dorsett, Hall of Famer. Would you be interested in going? I said, count me in. We take the trip to LA. We go through the Tarmark process. The process was put in place to determine CTE in the living. Everyone kept saying, there's no way you could do and and perform CTE in the living or obtain the information to collectively convey CTE in the living without having these scans and without having an autopsy of the brain. These guys proved it wrong, I had to be wrong. And this group was based in Chicago, Illinois. So I took the trip I kicked the tires, ESPN recorded the whole process. And at the end of the day, I came back, I had CT. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: See, Dr. Romalo is the the, the the centrum of the film. I was going to say, yeah, Correct. that sounded... Yeah. Right, that's why, that's why you oh, know Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, yeah. Leonard, please describe to us what the doctors were looking for and how they went about testing. We said about an MRI brain scan, but what else did they right, piece together? Uh, otherwise, in, a,
1: in an autopsy, they open your skull, pull out your brain, and put it through a meat slicer. Yeah, right. They get a nice thin slice, and they look at it under the microscope, and, and they say, yep, he had to. So I'm, I'm just glad right. they, didn't ha- they had another way, Leonard. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying. <laughs>
3: dude, me too, Neil. I mean, dude, here's yes. what was funny, Neil. They had, the, they had a PET scan. They had a CAT scan. They injected me with dye. Yeah. Also, I also did a neuropsych examination, a, an aptitude test. And from that, they had yeah, to determine that, you know, his skill set is not where it should be, given his age, uh, the number of years he played football, and what he's going through now. So I said, well, fellas, what do we do with this? We came back in 2011. Jason said, Leonard, I just got through talking to Vernon Maxwell. Brennan Maxwell is down to file this lawsuit uh, regarding a concussion claim. Are you interested in doing it? I said, I'm interested in doing it under one synopsis, that we do it on my daughter's birthday so that if I forget because of the debilitation of my brain due to tall protein on my brain and the tall protein dominating my brain, that my daughter can remember it. I want it on her birthday. Mm. Mm. That she'll know every year of her father stood. Whoa. There.
2: Wow. That's
3: what
2: I did. Mm. Leonard, uh, let me just say on behalf of your daughter, it's a hell of a lot of pressure to put on me, man. <laughs> Stop. <saying. laughs> no, you I'm know,
3: joking. I, 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 I said like Go this, ahead. Jeff. You know, daddy doesn't make it for another seven, eight,
2: nine, ten years. Baby, at least you know there'll be something there yep. for you. No, no, table. I'm I'm hundred yeah. percent. I th- I think it's a great thing. It's uh, it, yeah. it makes your I mean, daughter a uh, part of your legacy, which that's, is yes, exactly what you Absolute. were doing. Yeah. and I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I lost Reggie Roby. I lost Reggie Roby to this. I lost your Eagle, my brother Andre Waters, to this. Mm. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's a couple other guys I won't mention names because they're dealing with it now. But I can tell you that my friend, who you know very well, um, uh, your middle linebacker, mm-hmm. Mr. Seth Joyner, uh, was one of the guys that made me step out for Andre. Right, right. Because um, I had a con- conversation with him, and I told him, I said, Seth, I'm in New York. My voice will carry some, it'll carry some weight, man. If I get behind this with my teammate Harry yeah. Carson, we'll make enough noise that they'll listen. I said. You're in a little bit of a smaller market down in Philly. You know they might not take it as serious, but go ahead, man. Make noise. That's your teammate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: that's your yeah. teammate. So yeah, man. Neil, can I ask Leonard this question? But just a quick,
1: a, a quick Could second, you? Gary, and I want to, and I'm going to hand you a torch yeah, there. Yeah, sure, um, of course. Um, Leonard, Gary's busting with a whole bunch of questions. I just want to make sure we're back on the same page in this second segment. Sure. Uh, when we think sure. of a concussion, typically we think of a, a, a brain injury and the person doesn't know where they are and you got to put them under observation right, for 12 right. hours. Right. We're actually talking right. about something different here where it is the accumulation of smaller right. brain trauma. Right. Correct. And, so it, mm-hmm. and what makes it particularly pernicious is you just pop back from that not thinking you really should have sat out the rest of the game. And so and you just keep going and this accumulates and then you get this condition. Am I on... Am I on we on the same page here. You're on the same yeah. page.
3: Yeah. I mean, think of it this way, Neil. Now, Chuck, you're a big football yep. fan and I'm quite sure everybody else on here is. My teammate, Lawrence Taylor, was known for using yes, his right. help and his head here as Leading with your head. Leading with your head. So if you led as a defensive player with your head, you make contact. That's why if you look at football today, they teach you not to lead uh-huh. with your head. That's because... The word and the the word concussion has been taken out of football. We want CTE to be the word associated right. with football mm-hmm. because we want people to yeah. know the accumulation of hits cause problems down the road. Right, right. So it's one thing to get concussed. It's something else to have, you know, have the shakes and triggers and everything else associated
0: with head trauma. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. right So, Gary, you're busting at the seams here. Go for
0: it. Yeah. First, firstly did putting a name to your condition help? And secondly, when you spoke about the buildup of the tar, pro- tar protein yes. in your brain, yes. how, did that, how did the doctors bring that forward for you to explain exactly what the process was, how it goes from you being hit to this development? Because it, it seems funny that this can take so long to, to present. Well, when, 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 when it was examined, and I left two people out of this
3: that need to be in this, Dr. Paul Nussbaum, my friend in Pittsburgh, and the team doctor for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was my classmate at LSU, Dr. Julian Bales, okay? And Julian Bales is in the film. He's portrayed by Alec Baldwin in the film Concussions. Um, and, uh, and, and the relationship that he had with Cyril Weck, who was portrayed by... Uh, um, God, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, Cyril Weck... And, and and Julian Bales determined that this is what destroyed Mike Webster, okay? It destroyed a number of Pittsburgh Steelers. You got to remember, that was a team that was known for bruising people, putting people in the hospital, leading with their headgear. They were taught and trained, and they played the game at a high level like that. That's They were football, and they were the... The Godfathers of football, and if you were going to be a, a dominant football team, you had to play their style of football in order to be respected and that's who we were as the New York Giants that's who we were during, during the era of my career. Mm-hmm. The game was a lot different, Dr Neil uh, than it is today today, I hear guys tell me it's called they should call it something else ball It's, it's too soft of a game now you know it's not like it's not men playing a game for money now. It's little boys playing a game with quarterbacks with skirts on them and such and oh, such. Oh,
1: interesting. Wow, yeah.
3: Just to be clear,
1: because I like getting the long view on these things. Yeah. Um, what would the leatherheads have said about the modern football where you have all of this equipment? You know, what but before football even had leather helmets, right? You go back 120 years, whatever, whenever that was. So the arc of the game has been to protect your life.
2: Right? So, so. however, I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. Yeah. Um, The number of injuries in the Leatherhead uh, era of football was actually less because the pads and the helmets actually became a weapon. So it gave players the ability to run faster, hit harder, and make higher impacts— but also because of the equipment they were wearing to all, to also do more damage.
1: Okay, but but also they, they weighed 170 pounds, you know.
2: Well, that too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that right. uh, you had a
0: bunch of let, tough let, nices running around the field. Oh no, right, right, yeah. right, right.
1: Okay, Gary, keep so, going because I know you got more.
0: All right. So how many how many players currently with us NFL players have been diagnosed with CTE and I go back to two moments in history. 2011, David Dawson. 2012, Junior South. Both, tragically, took their own lives. Both friends of Did... I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Did that resonate for you? And were those two points in time something that brought the football community to a better understanding? Or did it just say, oh, well, that's sad and move on? I'll tell you why. Well, what I think, okay... David and I were, David
3: Durison and I were really close because he was a former Bear player. He joined my team in 1990. We won a Super Bowl with him as a, as a backup safety player. And uh, he played a pivotal role in, a, in, in the progression of our team the whole entire season. His wife was from Baton Rouge. Um, I knew his family because of that. Um, he pledged Omega Psi Phi my fraternity. Um, I wrote an intake letter for him. I became a real brother to him. And uh, I introduced him into the fraternity through Chicago and a bunch of friends in Chicago. Um, David had a great business. He had a great mind. He was on the board in Notre Dame. He was um, um, uh, the number two supplier of breakfast meat to McDonald's and Burger King worldwide. Wow. He had a real strong head for business and, uh, you know, just a really good guy. The same applied for junior Sale uh and, and and what was what was striking for me was when we introduced the movie concussions uh out in l a to the world um I got a chance to sit with uh junior say junior Sayonis family and his daughter um at the uh the premiere of the uh of the film and uh, and just listen to his daughter talk about her dad and talk about what it meant growing up with him in the household and everything else and it was just sad how she talked that, you know, I will never have those moments in time again with him. Mm-hmm. I will never understand who my father really was outside of football. Uh, it will always reflect on me that his life was football. He played in the league, what, 17, 18 years? Um, it just, it just, it was, it really hit me, hit home for me, man. That's, that's why I say what I say, you know. Uh I have a daughter. And, and someday she's going to reflect upon what my body of work was. And I just wanted to have the fondest memories of that. You know, my father stood for something. He was a principal kind of dude. And uh, he didn't let his brothers down.
1: You know, I keep thinking, I keep thinking, none, why is any of this even a lawsuit? It should just be, yeah, okay, this is, you know, the NFL is not short of money. And nope. and of course, this affliction is many people, but it's not everyone in the NFL, right? Uh, it's probably not happening to the place kickers, right? So so it's so so it, it would be a sad indictment of the NFL if the only resolution to come of this is only after they are sued. I mean, that just looks bad. It means they it means they're re- reluctant, resistant. I'll do it if court makes us do it, but otherwise, no. I mean, what, what, are we, what, what industry are we all supporting out here?
3: Look at this way, Dr. Clayson. We 70% of the National Football League is black. The players are African-American, okay? We sued, okay? Uh, there was a, an award of a settlement. 90% of the players that retire from the NFL are going to end up with CTE. That's a fact. That came from Dr. Ann McKee at, the university, at Boston University. Uh, and also Dr. Harper Candy. So these are things that we know. There are, now, there's racial norming in this case, where the neuropsychs have taken race and used race against the seventy percent black players to say, "Well, you you had a learning disability to begin with, so you're probably dumb now because you had that right. issue when you were a mm-hmm, kid." Mm-hmm. And 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 it, it's just an articulation of you growing your life, but yet. You're not getting any smarter. Well, yeah, oh, and, uh,
2: no, that's what, for, for what uh, right. people don't realize what Leonard's talking about is if, if we go back to the aptitude test that he talked about that he had to take. So what happens is all the players have to take these neuropsych aptitude tests where they have to answer a certain amount of questions to see how proficient they are mentally. And so the NFL yeah. is saying basically... You guys are at a lower rate coming in because you're not that smart coming in. So you Mm -hmm. didn't lose any real brain function because your brain function was already low. And as a result, these players are now not uh, uh, the funds to protect these players after they played are no longer available to these, these players that do not do as well on the test. Right, right.
0: Perfect. So that's the wonderlick test, isn't it? Where no, you have the the Wonderlink is no. what you use when you come into the game.
3: But in the 16 PF used to be in the performance. Those three applications uh-huh. used to be used when you were coming into the league. Those declared whether you were going to be a first, second, or third round draft pick. Or if you're going to be selected at all. Because mm-hmm. you can't read that playbook and learn it. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to comprehend it. So yeah. you have players that are like that. I mean, and you know, I've I've seen some guys. The talent outweighs their smarts on the field. And that's the kind of play you just kind of let them go and do what he's got to do. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
3: But got the other situation that's going on with the racial norming that, you know, that they're saying that, well, you weren't that smart to begin with. You barely had a C average in college. And now we're giving you this test. You're testing at a a D grade level. So we don't think that you were injured or or anything happened to your brain. We just take
0: your down. Right. Right. That's wow. not too cool. That's... That's not too cool. All right, Leonard, you mentioned two, two doctors, Dr. McKee, Dr. Anne McKee, and Dr. Robert Cantu. They are, they're part of the Concussion Legacy Foundation? That's correct. Right. So someone out there is fighting the good fight. No doubt. How far are they getting with this? Are they progressing at all? Is there some kind of way that they are making progress? Well, I'm on the board of CLF. And okay.
3: CLF is doing everything they can. Chris Lewinsky does a, fanta- a fantastic job fighting for players and their families and and their kids' kids. Um, so I can't I can't say enough good things about CLF. Dr. McKee and Dr. Cantu have always been um, uh, the brain trust behind uh, what's going on with the science of the brain and how it affects former players in both the NHL, the NFL, and some that have been injured in the NBA and Major League Baseball. So, you know, the work that they do is is, is, is consequential to um, a high level of transparency to players in that family. And, and, and we respect and appreciate that. I think that some people don't, like Dr. Tyson was talking about, they don't respect the science and the science doesn't lie. The science is the science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, the science is the science.
0: You're in the right <laughs> place for that. us. So, you are definitely in the right place. So we got to we got to uh,
1: bring this segment to a close. Just before we do, um, are you you've been very active just as a as a proponent and as a supporter of all these causes related to just people's health after you know just is the title of your book all over again when the cheering stops. Um, are, are you up for an award coming up? I, would, I, am I,
3: I'm no- up for an award. That's why you bring it up, Doctor Tyson. I'm up for an award from Karen Kind. Um, the uh, the dinner is at the, the Pierre Hotel in New York, the St. Pierre Hotel in New York. It happens on June the sixth, two thousand twenty-two, and uh, it's the ALS Society that's honoring me for my work. In oh space. man, that's great. Man. The fact that I've been a real proponent mm. and advocate. Good, yeah,
0: congratulations. Well, I'll tell you this if we
1: gave awards, we give you an award right now. <laughs>
2: that's that's right. But it, but it wouldn't be at the Pierre Hotel. <laughs> that that place of is beach expensive. Fifth <laughs> <laughs> Avenue, baby. Chuck, you bring your yeah. car. That's, now, when that's when you drive Park Avenue <laughs> East, baby. <laughs> it, is. Yeah. it is,
1: it is. He's right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen, Leonard. It's been a delight to have you. A kind of sad delight. I mean, I'm glad somebody's paying yeah. attention to this, and yes. that it's, um, and it sounds like all all forces are aligned to resolve this in some way, to redress the problems that have happened before, and to prevent them from ever happening again. And we gotta shed a little bit of that testosterone macho on the field. Yes. It's still an entertaining game, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes. Still drawing the crowds. And, uh, you know, to, to be tackled doesn't mean you have to not get up after it.
0: Okay? I'm just uh, saying. <laughs> you can't take contact out no. of the sport. Because yeah. if you do, this is no longer NFL. I get the it. Only way there are ways to make contact
1: out. where you're not a bullet passing through oh, somebody. I mean, totally. Totally. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. The only way to take it out is to take the head out. And you can't take the head out of football.
1: That would be weird if you just had bodies running up and down, Headless <laughs> <and> <laughs> bodies. Can't do it. All right, Leonard. It's been a delight. Thank you for being on on Star Talk. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pivot now to uh, to Heather Berlin in our third segment, and we'll tell her you said hi, Leonard, and it was, we're delighted that she brought you to us. Uh, 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 Godspeed. Uh, stay healthy. And. Uh, Give us a holler again if you got more to tell on this about this story. When we come back, our third segment will be with our our neuroscientist at large, Heather Berlin, who'll sort of uh, figure out what's going on here and why and where it's going to head uh, in the future of the sport. This is Star Talk. See you in a moment. We're back, Starts on Sports Edition. We're talking about concussions, and and mini-concussions, actually, the, the kind that accumulate and turn into something really bad later in life, something that, of course, football players uh, suffer from. Many have, didn't even know that this was going on. And in particular, we went through two segments with our special guest, Leonard Marshall, former football player with the New York Giants, two-time Super Bowler. And, uh, Chuck, was he an offensive tackle? Is that what is his title, what is his position? No, he was a defensive. Defensive tackle, protecting uh, the... Uh, yeah. So he's... Coming after guys. <laughs> so he's coming after he the was, other team's
2: quarterback. He's a hitman. That's what he is. Right? Yes,
1: yes, yes. He was
2: more than very good at it. Him and, him and uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor <laughs> together, they were... Oh, I hate them so much. Oh,
1: they were so awful. So, so oh, against your team, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they made it so hard for me for you and your Eagles. So they plucked the Eagles bald. Ooh, that was a good yes, one. They did that was a good one. <laughs> so, um, so we don't have particular expertise in the neurology of this, but of course, we have a friend of Startalk, our go-to person, our neur- neuroscientist at large, Heather Berlin. Heather, welcome back to Startalk. Always course. a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so he mentioned that he had a battery of tests that in recent years enabled medical professionals to diagnose this accumulation of small bits of brain damage mm-hmm. uh, known as CTE. And I always forget what that stands for. It's Chr- chron-
4: chronic traumatic encephalopathy.
1: Uh, the, hence the abbreviation. Yes. <laughs> CTE. <laughs> and so yes. so uh,
2: apparently... My head hurts just saying. Yeah, I know, right?
1: Right, so what we had learned was in the day, you would never know this until the patient was dead. And mm-hmm. then you'd do your normal um, brain slicing on the autopsy. But apparently, there's some progress mm-hmm. where you can do this in the living patient. Mm-hmm. But um, it, how, how definitive can that be relative to just say, look, dude, give me your brain, I'll slice it open, and then I'll let you know? Right. <laughs>
4: I mean, still the gold standard, if you want to know with um, 100% you know, definitive, is to look postpartum. It's the same thing with Alzheimer's as well. You really have to see these um, particular pattern of these plaques, these tau proteins, and these tangles. Um, but if you kind of piece together a bunch of different tests, some MRI, and there's particular patterns looking at PET and, and tau buildup in particular parts of the brain, along with these Clinical tests like neurocognitive testing, you can start to get a full picture where you can give a pretty accurate diagnosis of CTE, but it's still not a hundred percent. So you actually see the neuropathology in the brain itself.
1: I know, Chuck. I know, Chuck and Gary are busting with questions. Gary, what do you have for her right now?
0: The tau protein, it it just changes and develops in a certain way, Doctor. So mm. how? Is it changing? Why is it changing from an impact? But it doesn't change. Normally, if you have impact on, on the body, a bruise appears. Right. But this this protein change… Right, and, and, the bruise, and the bruise heals, right? Yeah. And, and, and then the, the change happens maybe decades later. So okay. what is the process that's going on in there? So,
4: okay. Part of it is um, right when you get the impact, you have this kind of neurochemical cascade that occurs. Um, you have the release of certain, um, um, you have basically what's called neural depolarization, which releases these excitatory neurotransmitters. And it kind of shifts the balance in the brain. It changes the glucose metabolism um, and the blood flow. And then that in turn can impair the axonal function. So basically, um, a lot of these tau tau proteins are in the white matter. They're in the sort of microtubules of the brain. And when you have this, complex neurochemical cascade that occurs when there's been a traumatic injury, it sets off this process, which has a distinct, you know, in the course of a couple of days, you can see it, a distinct sort of process. But then it can take years for the sort of full damage for the death of the neurons to occur because there's sort of a buildup. If you think of it like, um, you know, in the arteries, when you're having a kind of buildup of plaque over time, but it does. It takes a while until you actually have like a heart attack, right? So if you think of, in the most simplest terms, like a buildup of sort of gunk that was set off by this initial neurochemical process, and over time it can lead to neuronal death. Um, and I think that's mm. the easiest way to explain and, it without getting too technical.
2: And and the neuronal death yeah. that when you're talking about the death of these neurons. So basically, that's the transmission of you know, information in the brain. That's how the brain talks to the brain. Right, so, right? so when you have- so, so what you're having is, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's mostly,
4: you know, these, it's the white matter. So so think about this. You have the, the brain, this very soft piece of matter inside a very rough, bony um, skull that has all these little ridges. And when you get this acceleration, deceleration event, um, the brain kind of shakes within this. Piece That's of the structure.
1: polite way to say you got hit in the head. Right. Okay, go on. <laughs>
4: exactly.
1: <laughs> you That's get the banged in the
4: head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you get banged. The acceleration, deceleration. You get banged in the head. Exactly. Okay.
4: And sometimes they technically we call it a coup counter coup event, but this rocking sort of back and forth. Now there's different density between the gray matter and the white matter in the brain, so they kind of stretch and they move at different rates, so that causes a stretching or a tearing or a shearing in the white matter. Um, when you have the kind of shaking of the of the brain within the skull, this tearing causes this neurochemical cascade that i that I spoke about. but that's how they communicate. The white matter where this shearing effect occurs, this tearing, this pulling, it affects the communication between different brain areas. Um and ultimately, so that's one aspect that can cause some of the symptoms. Um, and the other is that you have a, eventually this um, this neurodegeneration where you get start to have brain death, which is akin to kind of what happens in an Alzheimer's process or, or other neurodegenerative disorders.
0: On a personal level, right. mm-hmm. Heather, mm-hmm. I headed a football or a soccer ball, if you prefer, for many years and quite some time ago. And I would have last played a competitive game in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the
2: question is, how long will it be exactly. before Gary can no longer have this conversation? <laughs> hey, there you go. Well,
4: <laughs> so, you know, it it kind of, it, it, uh, there's a couple of things. It could set off a process if you already have a kind of vulnerability toward a neurodegenerative disorder, it could make you more vulnerable. So there's something we call cognitive reserve, which is basically uh-huh. kind of what is your baseline? If you have a lot of different connections in the brain you know, it, um, that you can afford to lose a little bit of cognitive function or a little mm-hmm. bit of structural stability um, or integrity and still kind of be okay and get by, right? So so, See, so Heather,
1: we have no idea how smart Gary was before the show.
0: See? <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. we only know him An in his current state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: you think? We only know him in his current state. But Gary, you said it's not only did you use your head during the game, you practiced. You practiced. Yeah. yeah. Hitting stuff, and you have to
0: head. you will learn a technique to head a football in the most efficient way. So, which is how your forehead you meet, you meet it on the forehead, yeah, first, like right on the first forehead. and yeah. you develop muscle. You you develop muscular muscular density here to strengthen, so as you're able, so as you don't get the whiplash if the ball hits you in the head when you connect with it. So, you develop things like you would with muscles for running. So you, I see. Muscles. So you've
1: protected your your neck vertebrae, but mm. your brain is mush. Right, that's Probably. what you're saying. Well, i, I yeah, more
4: like, listen, it's not a good thing to be bunting balls no. your head. But the, the thing is, not everybody develops CTE, right? It's a percentage
0: um of Keep cheering me up, Doctor. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. So
4: maybe, yeah. you know, maybe 30%, I think is some the statistic of the people who are, let's okay. say, playing in sports that are bunting, bunting their head or, or taking a lot of um hits. Um, and so you know. I think we still don't fully understand why certain people develop it and others don't. Certain people have multiple concussions over time. It could it could have to do with certain vulnerabilities. It could have to do with the age mm. at which you started having these small head injuries. Uh, um, and, uh, and it's kind of like COVID right now. You know, some people get it and it's devastating and horrible, and others are, you know, asymptomatic and perfectly fine. And I think that there is an underlying mechanism. It could be related to genetics. We don't know yet. Um, but so there's some hope
2: for you. Um Gary, were you wearing a mask while you were <laughs> heading <not> the ball? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, totally That's the
2: most important <laughs> thing. <Yeah. laughs> were,
0: were you socially distanced?
1: So Heather, I've read that,
0: outside. Yeah.
1: Heather, I've read that there are no uh, pain neurons in the brain. Is yeah. that right? So yeah. so you would have no idea that you were undergoing this slow damage. Oh, Whereas wow. a tiny little pinprick anywhere on your skin, you would mm. know. I mean, even in the most obscure places.
4: Yeah, I mean, do you think
2: Especially in the most obscure places. <laughs> <Chuck>. um,
4: <laughs> okay. That is one of the most fascinating things about the brain is so I'm I'm fortunate enough to be involved in some um, neurosurgery when we're doing brain mapping. So for example, we want to map out a person's getting a lesion removed and we want to make sure we don't take out their language area. So we while they're in, in surgery, we can
1: wake them up we can be inside the But that's range. nice of you. That's nice of you to <laughs> yeah. just not yeah, exactly. Want to take out. It's, you sound like a military operation <laughs> to take out their right. language. It's just like, so how are you
2: feeling? <laughs> 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 yeah,
3: they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> yeah, they're
2: um, fine. It's like young Frank. young Frankenstein. Um,
4: but no, so we, gra- We piece by piece, we, we use electrical stimulation and stimulate each piece and have a person talk and eventually we hit an area where they literally just, they can't talk anymore and we know not to take out that area. But, The point is that I'm going to have to remove the area in a very delicate way. But um,
2: the (laughs) (laughs) point. Oh my God. So you're telling me that something as sophisticated. As neurosurgery. Mm-hmm. Y'all just poking around. It's yeah. poking around. really right. Literally. And so you're telling me electricians. Yeah. Electricians an are better. And finding the electrical little, connection that you like, no electrician would start poking your walls <laughs> to figure out where the wires are.
1: Yeah, we have pretty ways, much yeah. where we're
2: at.
4: Um, but the amazing thing. Wow is that the person is awake, their skull is open, we're literally, you know, inside their brain and they don't feel any of it, right? The thing that creates wow. all of our pain sensations doesn't feel anything itself when it's being touched or stimulated or cut
1: into. That's deep. Right?
4: That's deep. And it can bleed Damn. and be mm-hmm. cut into, but you don't, you don't feel it but, it, but it's the seat of pain itself. So um, the thing about it with CTE and other, you know, symptoms from traumatic brain injury is that it's, it's a silent... Um, people are suffering with it in signs because you can't see it, right? You can see see it, so you can see it a little bit with these hyperintensities. We call it on an MRI. They're like little white spots that show up over time. But really, it's subjective. The person is saying, "I have a brain fog. I, I can't concentrate. I can't read," or they start acting impulsively. Um, but but you don't feel pain itself, other than headaches. Is an often often people complain of having headaches. Mm. But that's really the meninges. Like a headache is not the brain itself hurting. It's actually like a migraine is the the surrounding membrane that does have pain sensors in it, and that's where you actually feel the right.
2: headache. Heather, d- like what, like when you get a hangover, that's my I mean, migraine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Heather, Heather does, does the brain not have a capacity for regeneration in certain places or in in all of it?
4: It does. I mean, it's it's amazingly. I mean, it's 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 very susceptible to damage, but it, it is amazingly able to kind of heal in to an extent. So a lot of it is compensatory, right? You can if as long as certain structures are in place, if you have damage, you can maybe build alternative routes, alternative
2: rewire. Rewire. Your brain rewires.
4: Rewire. Yeah. But when you start to have these neurodegenerative processes, so much of the brain is affected across the board. It starts to atrophy. You're losing gray matter. So, like I said, at first you get these white matter tears, but eventually that leads to death of the cell body, the gray matter. And, and then you don't have the actual structure to support the, the brain function, the cognitive function anymore. So, you can compensate to an extent. So, if you have one area of a brain lesion that doesn't spread, right? It's not a neurodegenerative um, disorder, you can create these alternative pathways to sort of circumvent that, that damaged area. But when you start having a globally, Damage. There's only so much the
1: brain can do um, to compensate. So Heather, I just want to just to just to establish a baseline here. Of all sciences, yours is the most constricted by what kind of experiments you can do. Right? I mean, a chemist can just remix the petri dish, or, or the biologist. And, and do it at a different temperature, under different acidity, a different uh, lighting condition, whatever. You can't just walk up to people in the street. Can, can I play with your brain? you are like, you can't do that. So, so how far behind are you? Or, or let me rather rather than rather than boast how far we've come.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How much more remains to be discovered? So give me an give me an honest appraisal of your field right now.
4: Okay, so I mean, look. there's a lot of work we can do. Um, I don't do this research, but there are people in the field who are doing animal research, right? And there you can do much more um, controlled experiments in animals um, that you can't do in humans. Part of what I have always done is I try to create experiments that would be in humans that are analogous to what we're able to do in animals, but we have to kind of wait for the um, right subjects to emerge. So let me give you an example. Like one is, for example, part of my PhD work was I looked at what what is the part of the brain, the orbital prefrontal cortex, what does it do? And so in animal models in mice, you, and mice and monkeys, you can lesion that part of the brain specifically and then do experiments. You can't go in and lesion a, a human. So what I had to do is sort through, this was in London um, at, at King's College London, the neurosurgery department, sort through patient files of patients who have come in who are still alive, who have had the particular type of brain surgery because it was removal of a tumor or because they had damage to that part of the brain because of a, a stroke or an aneurysm, where I would find those specific patients that happen to have damage to that part of the brain and then bring them in for a study. But that takes longer. So the thing is, we can do these studies, but the, the length of time it takes to gather the patients who have naturally gotten damage to these parts of the brain, let's say, um, can can Um, increase the length of time it takes us to make these discoveries. So if I was to give you a number, I mean, like, it's very hard to say how much longer, you know, it's taking us because we don't have control in human studies. But we are developing techniques where we can do non-invasive stimulation to brain parts, which in effect knock them out temporarily. And that's helping us uh, make some advances. So we're getting more creative with the kinds of experiments we do in humans.
1: So Heather, we got to bring this to a close. But before we do, could you tell us, how you came to know about Leonard Marshall's case because you brought him to us for us to create this show
4: yeah yeah um I was I was I do a lot of work with um, Alzheimer's patients and people with neurodegenerative disorders and as well of with CTE and um, I was connected with him basically to talk uh, to, to him about his the cognitive functioning problems that he's having and see if there's any um Treatments and also to help, you know, spread the word about this because it's it's a major problem that I think needs to that that in in some ways you know is not getting the kind of coverage that I think it needs. There's a lot of people suffering with this, and um and they're doing it behind the scenes. So I, he was. And I think speaking- we learned
1: offline. What was it? Was it offline, Chuck? Where we were talking about uh, helmet brain or something or head brain? What's that with with sled sled head? sled head yeah yeah is where they're you know you see
2: the camera because they're just constantly yeah, the, the head is just about, yeah, constantly vibrating yeah.
1: on on the ice so this sounds like a broader issue with regard to sports where your head gets dinged right i mean this is obviously it's not just football
4: i, I think you know a hundred years from now we're going to look back on the way we've played sports and how little we, we you know how much we disregarded the damage that was happening to the brain. And we're going to think, you know, just the way we look back to the 19, I don't know, 50s and everybody was smoking, including doctors and, you know, saying it was good for you. Like, I think we're going to look back on this and look at it with similar disdain. Um, There's a lot of money involved in sports and a lot of people say, well, they get paid millions of dollars. So I guess they're sacrificing their, you know, brain as a consequence but right right right
2: yeah anyway
4: i think that by that that time all
2: sports will be played by robots (laughs) and all the kids playing video games now will be the real athletes who are controlling those robots (laughs) and you know and then there will be a big movement of people who are like saying well you know we have to care about the robots and their brains you know, because their central processing units are getting damaged in this sport, and why should this, they give their this is their Chuck's,
1: lives? Chuck's uh, sci-fi apocalyptic thriller. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> yes. But out. I do think, um,
4: I and mean, I do think that the way that you know we care very much about athletes' physical bodies, and they have trainers and they take care of them, and they get massages, and whatever. We should think about also taking care of the brain as well and brain
1: health um, in the process. That that's a place where we haven't arrived at yet, mm-hmm. but it is completely where we should be headed.
0: Yeah, Neil. Because in the future, we probably will have way less, more contact in our sports, mm-hmm. and uh, the sort of extreme sports. That, and you might then push what we consider mainline sports like sledding, and push them into the extreme category, and then reduce that because of the damage that's potentially taking place. Mm-hmm.
4: Or maybe just take heading out of soccer as well. Right?
0: There's a- that's on its way. That that I can tell you. Maybe in thirty years' time, there will not be heading of, of a football. Um. And
2: maybe in 30 years' time in soccer, they'll just use their hands because what the hell, man? <laughs> That's there, what you got them for! They're dangling there I doing mean, nothing. I mean, what? <laughs> Two perfectly good <laughs> utensils with opposable <laughs> thumbs and you're like, no, nah, we can't use those. <laughs> what would we ever use those for?
1: Okay, Chuck just blew a gasket, which means it's time to close this out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Gary, Chuck, good to have you. And Heather, it is a delight always to have you uh, enlighten us in all of your neurological ways all right this has been star talk sports edition as always i bid you
3: to keep looking up